Joshua chapter 8 this morning. Y'all keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Y'all be praying for Israel over there and God's chosen people. Uh, they pray for their salvation that come to know Jesus Christ. And uh, the, the signs are all around us that Jesus is about to come back. And uh, we got to be out there and be faithful to serving the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's got for us. Uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior this morning... Uh, I beg and plead with you that when we give an invitation, we'll, I'll give an invitation after this, this little about 30-minute sermon. I'll give you an invitation to come on down and, and get saved. And all you need to know is that you're a sinner. Amen. Just know you're a sinner. You need to recognize that Jesus went, died on the cross for your sins. You need to recognize that he died and that he rose again the third day. You need to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is that so important, Pastor? Well, why that's so important is if you have a man say, I'll give you eternal life, and he's still in the grave, he can't give you eternal life. And that's what, that's what separates, and we just sang about it, right? That's what separates Jesus Christ from everybody, all the other fake religious leaders, is they're all still in the grave. Muhammad's in the grave, Buddha's in the grave, but Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. So when you bow your head and you say, Jesus Christ, will you please save me? You're praying to a risen Savior who can hear you right then and there, and He'll save you like He did me. He'll take that weight of sin and lift it off your shoulders. You'll never be the same. And then you'll have that ticket punched for your, your uh, ticket up in heaven. And you don't have to worry about a devil's hell anymore. And that's what I lived through until I was about 17, just that fear of hell. Is I knew, knowing I was a sinner and I need Jesus. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect now. I'm not saying I do things that are great. I'm not a, even a good Christian. But I know one thing I know is that if I die tonight, I know I'm going to heaven. And that's a peace that only Jesus Christ can give you. So we're going to start in Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8 and verse 1, and I'm going to give you some context of what's going on here. So Joshua is leading the, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, and he's leading them into the promised land. Moses has died, he's crossed Jordan, he's leading them into the promised land. So the first thing they come across is Jericho and the great walls of Jericho as the, God's people, they march around Jericho seven times. They blow the trumpet and the walls of Jericho fall and they go and and they conquer Jericho. Well, they go on to the next city, the city of Ai. And when they show up to the city of Ai, it was a little small city. It wasn't that big, nowhere near as big as Jericho. And so they only sent about 5,000 people. Y'all go down there and take care of Ai. Well, when they got down there, they got whipped and drove back. So Joshua, he gets down on his hands and knees before the Lord God and says, What's going on here, Lord God? And God says, Get off your knees, Joshua. There's sin in the camp. And a man named Achan had took some uh, Babylonian gold and some garments and he had went and he had hid it under the tent, his own tent, which God had told him not to do. He had hid it. And so that, by process of elimination, they found out it was Achan and they took care of that sin in the camp. So we're picking up that story now as now they're going to, now we're picking up that story after they've took care of that sin in the camp. We're looking at chapter 8, verse 1 of Joshua. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not. Fear not, neither be thou dismayed, the Lord said to Joshua. Take all the people of war with thee. Arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given unto thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. No, we don't see it, Lord. <laughs> he said, see, I'm, about to, I'm giving that to you. And they're like, no, no, Lord, I don't see it. See, we went down there last time, Lord, and we got our rear ends whipped all the way back. I don't see it. So what you, the Lord's saying, you're going to you're gonna have to do this by faith. That's what the, you're going to find out, Christian. You're going to have to live your life by faith. 
And a lot of this, where the Lord sees it, you don't see it. Do you know the Lord sees you as priests and kings? The Lord sees you as a son or a daughter of a king right now? It's hard to see that in a lot of us, amen? But he does, he sees that. He sees that in you. You don't see that in you. And the world doesn't see that in you, but God sees that. He sees he has those future eyes. And he tells Joshua, get up, this is what you're going to do. Verse 2, and thou shalt do to Ai and to her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. It's going to be different. Jericho, they couldn't take any of the spoil. This city, he says, you can take all the spoil you want, but you're going to lay in ambush. Verse 3. Joshua, so Joshua rose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor and set them sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie and wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. And I and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city. And it shall come to pass, when they come out against us, as at the first, that we will flee before them. For they will come out after us, verse 6, till we have drawn them from the city. For they will say, They flee before us as at the first, therefore we will flee before them. Then ye shall arise up from the ambush and seize upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it under your hand. And it shall be when you have taken the city that ye shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord shall you do. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua says, okay, we got a plan. God's given us a plan. What we're going to do is I want the majority of y'all to stand by, go sneak up behind the city. We're going to go attack it from the front. They'll see us attacking. They'll come out to whip us, and we'll flee back like they're going to get us again, and they'll chase us, and as soon as they chase us away, y'all go in and take the city, and then we'll turn around and get it, get them. That's the plan. Verse 9, Joshua therefore sent them forth, and they went to lie in ambush in a bowl between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai, but Joshua lodged that night among the people. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and numbered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up and drew nigh and came before the city and pitched on the north side of Ai. Now there was a valley between them and Ai. And he took about 5,000 men and set, set, the, set them to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, even all the hosts that was on the north of the city, and their lives are weighed on the west of the city. Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. So this is kind of boring reading. And what you're reading is God is conquering a land. And this land God gave to Abraham way back years ago and said, Abraham, I'm going to give all this land to you, and I'm going to give it to you and to your kids and to your future generations. And that was a land promised to Joshua and those people that are going in there. And these people have encroached onto that land. That's exactly what's going on today in the Middle East. All that land belongs to the Jew. Gaza doesn't belong to Hamas or the Palestinians or the Iranians or Americans or anybody. Gaza belongs to the Jew. And years ago, George W. Bush and Condoleezza Rice, they took that land and they divided it up. And they said, we need a little piece of land for the Palestinians to live on. And the Jews made an agreement, peace agreement. And they said, okay, we'll give you this little piece of land called Gaza. And you can live there, Palestinians. And all they've done since day one... Look it up. I'm not lying to you. They've shot a rocket into Israel every day since that happened. Every day. This, is, this skirmish that happened recently last Saturday, that's something nothing new. They've been sending missiles on. This was just more of an attack than they're used to. 
But they send a miss, they fire a missile off every day into Israel from Gaza. That land doesn't belong to him. It belongs to the Jew. And so they're trying to take this back. And this book can be kind of boring because you're reading a book about this conquest of kings and other kings being, uh, being conquered and the Jews doing this, that, and that. That's why this book can be kind of boring to you when reading to it. But it's important to God. And the reason why it's important to God is he's going to put his king, king of kings, Lord of lords on that piece of land, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's what every Christian in here should be looking for, is that king to come back and to sit on that throne in Jerusalem, because he deserves that throne. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. All right, verse 14, And it came to pass when the king of Ai saw it, that they hasted and rose up early, and the men of the city went out against Israel to battle. He and all his people at a time appointed before the plain, but he wist not, meaning knew not, that there were liars in ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. And all the people that were in Ai were called together to pursue after them. And they pursued after Joshua were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel that went not out after Israel. And they left the city open and pursued after Israel. So they're following Israel and Joshua's leading them away. They're about to ambush them. So verses 18 and 19 is what I want to focus on this morning. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thy hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city. And the ambush arose quickly out of their place, and they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered into the city and took it and hasted and set the city on fire. So that ambush plan that they had worked out as soon as Joshua got out and all the AI was chasing him, he turned around and he had this spear in his hand and the Bible says he thrust out that spear and the Lord told Joshua, take your spear in your hand and I want you to thrust it out. And as soon as he thrust it out, everybody seen it and they started running towards the city and they conquered that city and they set that city on fire. I want to preach this morning on the spear of command. I want to preach this morning on the spear of the enemy. And then finally, I want to show you the spear of inquiry. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, Father, for your words. And Lord, I thank you we can study these out, Lord God. And you've given us great detail of how this battle took place, Lord God. And Lord, I pray, Father, that as we study through this, Lord, that you'll show us how we need to apply this to our Christian life, Lord. And Lord, help us to see these spears and the, your word, Lord God. And Lord, how they can apply to how we can live our life, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray, Father, and we give the invitation, they'll come on down and get saved. Lord, I pray you hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray it be your words, not mine, that are preached. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. Yeah, if you study the Bible, you'll find out there's a lot of spears in the Bible. There's lots of javelins and spears in the Bible. But I want to focus on just three. And this first one here is called the spear of command. It was a spear of command. This spear was a command that when you see that spear go out, you're commanded to take and rush the city. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, that Joshua, Joshua is another is the Hebrew way, a way of saying Jesus. Joshua, Yahshua, is another way, is a Hebrew way of saying, or spelling of saying Jesus. Jesus is Yahshua, which is Yahweh, God, Suus saves. Jesus is God saves. So Joshua is Joshua, Jehovah, Shus saves. It's Jehovah saves. It, the same in Acts, 
In Acts chapter 7, when Stephen's about to be stoned, he's telling the story of Israel, and he's telling the story of Israel. Instead of saying Joshua let them out, he says Jesus let them out. That should be a sign to you that that Jesus and Joshua are the same type. So that type is in there. So that's Jesus with that spear. And when Joshua gives that spear, that's to us as a sign like Jesus has given us that spear. To go and to conquer. It's a command to go conquer. Our Lord has given us a command to go conquer the world for him. He says, he given us that spirit. 2,000 years ago, Jesus raised that spirit. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. Go. It's go forth. And we've been finding out on Wednesday nights as we study through the book of Galatians and Romans that Christian, you're at war. And God's given you a commandment. You're a soldier of God. You're a soldier of Jesus Christ. And you've been given a commandment to go out and to conquer. But we don't conquer with physical battle. There's a difference, right? Amen? It's a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. But this physical battle you're seeing here when Joshua, he took that spirit and he thrust it out. It was a command. Everybody, go forth. Go forth and conquer. And that's what they did. This, and, he, when, and the Lord said to Joshua, verse 18, read it with me. Stretch out the spear that is in thine hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand, talking about Ai. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand towards the city. And they all seen that spear, and they seen Joshua stretching out that spear. And we've seen the same thing with Christ when he stretches out his hand and says, Go ye into all the world. And that's a commandment for us as Christians. We're at battle, and we should have, a, we should have the attitude of, I'm going forth to conquer the world for Jesus Christ. I want to show you something there in verse 19. And the ambush arose quickly out of their place, and they ran. When did they run? Ran. As soon as he had stretched out his hand. As soon as the commandment's given to us by Jesus Christ, we should be following that commandment to go forth and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Who else is going to do it? <laughs> Nobody else is doing it. No, it's, it's amazing. You can it's amazing to me that I can turn on Christian radio. I don't watch a lot of Christian stuff on TV. I just don't have cable anymore or satellite. But back in the day, I turned it on, and you could watch that. And they'd go, you'd go hour after hour, and nobody gave the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Oh, they would tell you how you could send in money, and then you could get a seed offering. <laughs> or they could tell you how you could be healed, or they could tell you how God wants the best for you. But you know what God wants for you? God wants you saved. That's what God wants for you. God doesn't want you to have a house or a car. He could care if you're living under a box. That's all. He could care less. All he cares about is, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And we get Christians, we get caught up into that. Well, we need to take care of them this way. We need, yeah, first and foremost, we need to make sure, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Notice in verse 19, and the ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered into the city and took it and looked and hasted and set the city on fire. We need to set the city on fire for Jesus. Amen. We need to set Hamilton, Texas on fire for Jesus. We need to set Indian Gap, Texas on fire for Jesus. We need to set this whole state of Texas on fire for Jesus. I'm, a, I'm ready to do it. They don't mind setting what they want to set on fire for whatever they... If it's, they want to set the world on fire for what they want to set the world on fire. Listen, we have the power through Jesus Christ to set the city on fire. He's given us the power through the Holy Spirit. He's given us the, the right book. He's given us the authority. He's given us the words to preach. He's given us everything we could ever have. The Holy Spirit living in us to do this great work for Him. And then we sit down on the couch and don't do nothing. 
He's given us the command, amen, go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel into all the world. That's what all that wall right there is about. It's missionaries we've sent from this church. They've come through this church. Every one of those missionaries are supported by this church. Every one of those missionaries on that wall have preached behind this very pulpit about what they're going to do when they get to, we read about it, in Panama, in Mexico, all over the world, the Philippines. They're all over the world, Albania, and they're preaching Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We've sent them their way. Now it's time for us to do our job here in Indian Gap. Here in Hamilton County, here in Brownwood, in Comanche, in Goldthwaite. We're here. Now it's our time to set the city on fire for Jesus Christ. You know what? Don't take much for a fire to start. I've got some retired firemen in here. I can even get an amen for that. Amen. amen. I've got some retired firemen in here. They know it don't take much for a fire to get going. Right? I've studied those fires up and I was studying on the great, I was studying about Moody one time. And Moody was preaching, and he was preaching a great revival in Chicago, 1871. And he preached, and he said, he got at the end of his, and Moody was the greatest preacher to ever live, in my opinion. I mean, of course, outside of Jesus Christ. But Moody was preaching, and he, he said, uh, if y'all come back next, uh, tomorrow, I think it was tomorrow night, it might have even been the next Sunday, but he said, if you, when you come back, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to show you how you can get saved. Because he had given, he'd set it all up for them. And then he said, when you come back next night, it's either the following night or next Wednesday or Sunday, I'll show you how to get saved. And that very night, the great fire of Chicago broke, broke out and almost burned the whole city of Chicago down. And that, that service never took place. And Dwight O. Moody said, that was the regret, regret of my whole life that I didn't give an invitation that night. That's why I try to give an invitation. Every service we have, I try to give an invitation. Now, Wednesday nights, I know a lot of y'all, and I feel like y'all are saved, but every Sunday, if you come in here, we're going to give an invitation. Every Sunday. Hugh Powell, I was reading a book one time. Hugh Powell, was, uh, his daddy was lost. His daddy was going to hell, and he couldn't get his daddy to come to church. And Hugh Powell said, uh, I, I begged my daddy to come to church. I begged my daddy to come to church. And Hugh Powell said, uh, my dad finally said, Son, I guess, I guess I'll go on to church with you tonight. And he said, I, this is back, of course, you can tell how long ago this was. He had to run. He ran down to his neighbor's house. He was the only one in the neighborhood that had a phone. He got a hold of his neighbor. He said, can I borrow your phone? So Hugh Powell, as a young boy, as a young boy, he borrowed that phone, and he called his pastor up, and he said, Pastor, my dad's coming to church tonight. My dad's coming to church tonight. I'm so excited. My dad finally said he's coming to church tonight. And he said he, he went with his dad, and he said, that was the proudest moment of my life as my dad finally went to church with me for the first time with me and my mom and my dad sitting at the back in the church and he said the pastor got up and the pastor said tonight we're having a musical cantana and we're going to sing the gospel message and he said that, the, that they, they sang songs for about 45 minutes and they closed the service and they never gave the gospel message and he said the whole time I looked over he said, Hugh Powell said I looked over at my dad and he was sitting on the pew and he was snoring and he never got the gospel message and it broke my heart to read that. That young man said, I started crying because I knew my dad might never get another chance. And Hugh Powell said, my dad never got another chance. So when I, that made an impression on me as a young man. I said, man, if I, when I start pastoring, I'm going to give an invitation to every service. Because I never know who's in this room this morning that needs Jesus Christ. And I don't want you to leave this without Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus Christ. And when, that, when I was studying about that, uh, bringing, bringing us all around, I was studying about that Chicago fire. You know how that Chicago fire started in 1871? A dear old lady was milking a cow. 
And she had a little lamp over here. And she had a lamp so she could see, you know. She's moving that cow, and that cow went, Poof, and kicked that little lamp. The lamp went over to the hay, started that hay fire, and it started burn that down, burn that house down. And before they could put that fire out, they almost burned down all of Chicago, a little flame about this big. What can I do for Jesus Christ? Just be a little flame about that big. You don't have to do anything miraculous. You don't have to go up to Hamilton County Courthouse and hang yourself out by that clock that doesn't work or whatever. You don't have to do none of that. I'm not telling you to do something, go out there and crucify yourself. And I'm telling you, just do a, be a little flame for Jesus Christ. Because you'll be amazed when you start flaming up, it'll catch another flame, it'll catch another flame, it'll catch a fire before you know. The whole city will be on fire for Jesus Christ. That's what we need. We need people on fire for Jesus Christ. We're sitting back, we're watching, we're being too complacent. We're saying, well, somebody else can go do it and somebody else can go do it. No, it's time for all of us to get together. Let's do it together for Jesus Christ. And that's what Joshua did. This is a spirit of command. He says, hey, go forth, let's conquer, let's burn the city down for the Lord God. And I'm here to tell you, we're not in a physical battle, we're in a spiritual battle. But we can set the city on fire for Jesus Christ. I was reading a story about, this is way back in the late 1800s, there was a tavern owner. And what happened was the city didn't have any alcohol in it. It didn't have, a bar, didn't have any liquor stores or anything. Well, this guy came in. He opened up a liquor store, and he turned it into a bar, and the church got, got completely mad about it. And the church says, you know what? We don't want you here. You're bringing in all this liquor and this alcohol, and you're bringing in all the, the, the hookers and all the stuff that comes with that. We don't want no part of that. And the church started praying for it to burn down. So... The word got out, hey, the church down there is praying that your bar will burn down. One week later, lightning goes, lightning struck that bar and burned it down. What does the bar owner do? The bar owner does what any normal person would do. He took them to court. Then he sued them. He said, you're going to pay for my bar because you prayed for God to burn my bar down. And you know what the church did? What any good Baptist church would do? They said, no, we didn't. <laughs> and they went to court. And they had a big trial about it. And you know what the judge said at the end of that trial? That this is what the judge says. I'm just going to read it. It's the opinion of this court that whatever the guilt may, wherever the guilt may lie, the tavern keeper is the one who really believes in prayer while the church members do not. <laughs> Amen. 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 That's a sad account of it. Listen, that's, I'm telling you, when you get a heart for Jesus Christ and you want to do something for Jesus Christ, you'll be amazed how just your little flicker of flame, your little burning in your heart to say, I'm going to do something for Jesus Christ, it'll spark something that you never know how it's going to end. They had a revival of this little bitty country church, little bitty, smaller than this church. And uh, the farmers got around, they said, we want God to do something, we want God to really do something. And they were praying and praying, and they had, uh, they had prayer revivals, they'd get together at each other's houses, they were praying, we said, we really want God to do something in our little bitty church. And they had that big revival, well, it wasn't a big revival. It turned out to be about eight, nine people there. And those farmers sit back there, and those farmers are like, man, we prayed to God, and we wanted God to do something, and God didn't do anything. Well, there's one boy, there's one person that got saved in that little revival church. That boy's name was Billy Graham. <laughs> Billy Graham. Now, y'all heard that name before. You know, those, you know those pastors back there saying, well, God don't do nothing with us. 
You don't know what God's going to do after you've, you're laying in a grave. You never know what fire you've started. You never know. My mom didn't know I was going to. When my mom took her last breath, she looked, like, she looked up at a high school dropout that just barely had a, a decent job. She was like, man, I've raised a failure. She never knew that God was going to use me for the glory of God. She, laid, she went, she took her last breath saying, well, there's one I didn't, he's a loser. And I was before God got a hold of me. And the only thing good about me is Jesus Christ in me. She had no idea that I would get on fire for the Lord, start trying to do something for the Lord, have a heart for people, try to get people saved. And now here we are at Indian Gap Baptist Church. Hey, let's, let's continue this fire. I'm ready to set the whole world on fire for Jesus Christ. I'm tired of turning on the TV, picking up my phone, and seeing everything but Jesus Christ. I'm tired. Of, I don't know about y'all. I'm tired of it. I love Jesus Christ. He's the best thing that happened to me. I'm going to tell everybody I know about Jesus Christ. This is the spear of command. Look at, look at verse 26 and 25. Verse 26 and 25. 25 and 26 of Joshua 8. And so it was that all that fell that day, both of men and women, were 12,000, even all the men of Ai. And in verse 26, he says, For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. So this, the Bible says that Joshua, he just kept that spear out like this. That spear of command, he just kept it out like that until the whole city was destroyed. You know Jesus Christ is going to never let up. He's never going to let up. You know, there's never going to be a time. We're not going to come up here next Sunday and the Lord come a booming voice. is like, okay, y'all have saved enough souls. Y'all can take it easy. I don't think it's going to happen, brothers and sisters. He's going to keep that spirit of command out and say, go. He said, Lord, we've already saved 1,000 people. Save 2,000 people. Lord, we've saved 10,000 people. Save 100,000 people. Lord, we've got a million people we've led to Jesus Christ. Lead a billion people to Jesus Christ. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. The Lord wants everybody saved. If we get the whole city of, if we get the whole state of Texas saved, let's move up to Oklahoma. Let's move down to Louisiana. That's a hell hole. Let's get some people saved. <laughs> Praise God. We've got to have a vision. And sometimes we get stuck in our little box and we're like, well, we'll just come out to the little church. And I was driving up here and, man, you know, I've been out here 16 years. I'm driving, and there's a little sign out here right out at Pretty. Come up here and it says, Austin Powerhouse Church. I'm like, what is this going on here? And then I drive a little bit away and then it says another sign out there about this tall. It says, Austin Powerhouse Church. And it goes this way down some old country road. <laughs> and I'm driving by and I'm like, well, what's going on there? The Lord I don't know what's going on there. The Lord, y'all not allowed to visit out there. <laughs> no, but the Lord. My point is that the, why would we think, oh, we're the only one that's got the fire. No, the Lord's got the fires everywhere. And I praise God for that, that he's not relying on just us, amen, to get the gospel message out. We'd be doing a poor job. Hey, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's go to the next one. I don't, want to, I don't want to run out of time. 1 Samuel chapter 17. But let's, that's the spear of command. Let's look at another spear. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Real famous set of verses here about David and Goliath. David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll probably start there at verse 4. Let me grab my water. 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is a spear of the enemy. Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting there at verse 4, and I'm going to move right along because I'm running out of time already. 
And there went out a champion out of the, champ, out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. A lot of y'all know the story of Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Now, a cubit is from about the tip of your, from your elbow to the tip of your finger. So a normal man would be about a foot and a half. That's about nine foot, nine inches man. That's a big, tall man right there. Would be a good NBA player. He had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. That's about 156-pound weight. 156-pound coat on this man. It's huge. But notice it said he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, verse 7, and the staff of his spear, he has a spear with him, see, was like a weaver's beam, big old thick sucker. Six And look, and his spear's head, the head of that spear, weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. That head of that spear, so he has this huge ginormous spear and at the tip of the spear has this big old head that weighed about 18 pounds now if you've ever like carried like a jug of milk and just stick a jug of milk out there as long as you can see how long you can do that it won't last long right this is things almost 20 pounds just the head of the spear this is ginormous and something struck me when I got to reading this and studying all this about spears is I'm wondering did Goliath hear about the story of Joshua because it's real evident when you hear about the story of Joshua, what was evident about it? That Joshua had the spear, that he raised the spear out, and he kept the spear out, and as long as he kept that spear out, they were conquering. Did, did that spear start becoming, a, instead of a spear of command, did, that, 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 did the rumor get out to the world that that was a spear, some kind of special spear of victory? That when you had a spear, there was something great about a spear, and that the gods, they would bless that spear. Well, see, that's the spear of the enemy, and that's how the enemy thinks. The enemy thinks in physical terms, like, well, if Joshua had a spear and he could stick it out, I'll just get a spear that's bigger than Joshua's, and that's more powerful than Joshua's. And that's how the world thinks. The world thinks, and the devil thinks in the physical realm. And Christian, don't you think that way? That's not how God works. How did, how did, how did Joshua conquer the city of Ai? Through the Lord God. That God just says, use that spirit. Same way with Moses. Moses, hold that staff up. When you hold that staff up, you'll win. When you bring that staff down, that was God working. That was just a sign of the people saying, hey, that's just a command. That wasn't the, that the, the magical power wasn't in the spear. The magical power was in God. That's the magical, if you want to call it magical, that's the power is in the Holy God, the Lord God working. And Goliath maybe had the idea like, hey, man, I'll just have a bigger spear. I'm a big man. I'll have a bigger spear, the spear of victory, and everybody will be afraid of me, and the gods will bless me. And he was very victorious. Nobody had been able to defeat Goliath, and he was coming up there. And that's how the enemy mistakes. They mistake the powers in the physical realm. It's a bigger sword, a bigger spear, a bigger gun, bigger muscles, bigger man. That's not how God works. We wrestle not flesh and blood. It's a spiritual fight. We read this, we've studied this on Wednesday night for weeks and weeks and weeks. For, the, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. And then Ephesians 6, 12 tells us, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. It's a spiritual fight. Christian. Don't get caught up in the trap that it's a physical thing. It doesn't have anything to do with the physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. 
this victory, this power that God's going to give you to set the world on fire, to set the uh, ending gap, set Hamilton on fire, it's going to be a spiritual thing. It's not going to be a physical thing. It doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair. It doesn't matter if you're bedridden. It doesn't matter if you've got your complete health. God can use you any way, he, any way you are. And if you study the Bible, now listen, God, if you study the Bible, God uses small things. And you know how this story ends. How does this story end? With a little Jew boy named David who shows up with some stones and takes one stone, boop, hits that stone right in his forehead and kills this giant that's holding the spear of victory, the enemy's spear. That's how this ends, right? Y'all know the story. Exactly how it ends. But the world gets caught up into that, and they get caught in a physical realm, and we don't, I'm just warning you, Christian, don't get caught up into that. That, oh, we got to have a bigger church. we got to have more people. We don't have more money. We got, no, what we need is people on fire for Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, that's what we need. I just need one person that says, I want to do something for the Lord. Uh, when we had the tracks, and we'll go, okay, we're going to give out tracks during the Halloween festival. I had so many come up to, y'all, come up to me and say, hey, I want to take some of those, and I want to stamp those, and I want to do that. That's calling, that's, that's that work we're talking about. It's a little bit of work that goes a long way. Because you stamp that one track, that one track gets put into a kid's, uh, a kid's bag, maybe that kid gets saved, amen? Maybe the parent takes that track. Maybe the parent gets saved. I, I don't know what to tell you, but I can tell you that somebody's going to, some, God's word doesn't go out void. I was up in a, up at a, a Brother Knott's church up there in a Copper's Cove, and a, a, a Brother, uh, what was his name? The brother's up there preaching. He was telling a story that he had a man come to his church and the man had had been uh, had gone to, had gone outside. He got the track from, from somebody gave him a gospel track. And he got the gospel track. He's looking at the gospel track. Walked outside and he looked at the back of the car and there was a bumper sticker that says, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt get saved." Then he went on to church and somebody I mean he went on to work and he's at work and somebody at work said, "Hey, you know I want to invite you to church." And was inviting him to church. And then he he was driving home from from work and then he's on the radio and he's listening to a preacher and a preacher on the radio is saying, "You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior." So as he, got, he went to church that Sunday, and when he went to church that Sunday, he walked down the aisle, and he, he took Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the point of that pastor was this. Who led that man to the Lord? Was it the guy who gave him the track? Was it the bumper sticker? Was it the preacher he heard on the radio? Was it the guy at work inviting him to church that had a good testimony? Was it the preaching in the church? Was, it's all of those things. All of those things combined, and then God says, I'm going to start a fire right there. Boom. And then that guy got saved, and here we go. That's how it works. That's exactly how it works. I'm here today because a pastor came and knocked on the door of my, of my mom's door when I was a little bitty baby and led my mom to the Lord. And my mom got led to the Lord, so what happened? My mom, because she was led to the Lord, she started bringing me to church. And as I was in church, I was getting the gospel, but I rejected the gospel. But whenever I got down and out when I was about 17, you know where I went back to? Where I knew the truth was. I'd heard the truth. And I went back to that church, and that's when I got saved. But, what, all that, 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 but if that pastor wouldn't have knocked on my mom's door when I was a little bit of baby, I might still be in prison today. That goes for a lot of y'all in here. <laughs> y'all just look at me like, oh, I, 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 amen, that's by the grace of God. Y'all don't think this stuff through. Y'all haven't meditated enough. You haven't thanked God for your salvation. You're taking it advantage that God, you're taking it for granted that God gave you the grace to get saved. You're thinking, well, I'm good enough to be saved. God got a good deal with me. God didn't get any good deal with you. 
I know who's fooled you or convinced you of that, but you know it's by the grace of God. So, hey, we need to pass it on. He gave us that fire. Let's pass it on. Look at verse 45, 45, 46, 47. Chapter 17. Look at the same chapter. Look at verse 45. Oh, and this is what I want you to know here. Here's the truth of all of this. About that spirit of victory because the devil and the world thinks it's all about physical. And some Christians get into that. It's all about we need more money. We need bigger building. We need, we need. The, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear. There's that spear. And with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air. And into the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. Boy, don't mess with Israel. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you've listened to anything I've said this morning, listen to two things. You need to get saved. And number two, there's a God still in Israel. He's still there. And Hamas and the, Philistine, the Palestinians and the Iranians and Americans and the Canadians and the Germans and the Europeans, they're all messing around in there. They better remember this one thing. There's still a God in Israel. And he's that, that's that God of the Jew right there that says, I'm going to cut your head off. And I'm gonna see. That's, that's why they're like, oh no, they're going in there and they're going to destroy all of them. You'll be lucky they don't destroy everybody, including dogs, cats, and rats and everything. I don't mess with the Jew. I don't mess with them. Their God shows them. That shows you exactly what you're getting into. There is a God in Israel. And I'm about to show you not to be messing with me, but look at verse 47, the great truth. And all this assembly, everybody that's watching, shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. That's why I can be confident about what I say. This battle don't belong to the world, don't belong to the devil. This battle belongs to the Lord. You got the Lord on your side. He that's in you is mightier than he that's in the world. So you just go out and do something for Jesus Christ. He'll take care of you. You don't need to be the biggest, strongest, smartest, most intelligent, uh, richest. All you need to do is have a fire for Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you one last spear, John 19. Gospel of John 19, and we're closing. Gospel of John 19, and we're closing up. That's three spears I've shown you. I'm about to show you the third one. I've shown you the spear of command. I've shown you the spear of the enemy. And now finally, I'm going to show you the spear of inquiry. Inquiry, inquiring minds want to know, as they, as they used to say. The national inquiry, inquiring minds want to know. This is the spear of inquiry. Look at John chapter 19. Look at verse 31, and we're going to be closing here. John chapter 19, look at verse 31. This is the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's already said it's finished. Jesus Christ is on the cross, and he's dead. Jesus is hanging between two thieves. He's dead. He's died. He's expired. He said it is finished. He gives up the ghost. This side is a thief that says, I'll not take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. On this side is a thief that says, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus says, Jesus before he died says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. This thief over here was saved, but he's still alive. He's still suffering. He's being crucified. So what they would do is they would break their legs so they would go into shock and it would kill them. 
They'd go because it was an agonizing, long death of crucifixion. So they'd come and break their legs, so they'd go into shock and kill them. So that's what you're going to read here in verse 31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, because it's a Passover, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first, and of the other which were crucified with him. What's interesting about what's going on here is they break the legs of the first thief, they break the legs of the second thief, they're about to break the legs of Jesus Christ, but there's a prophecy way back about 800 years ago that said that there's not going to be a bone broken of Jesus Christ. And they're right about to break his legs, just like they should have done, and then they notice something. Verse 33, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. There's the f- prophecy. But one of the soldiers with a spear, because he's inquiring, says, Are you sure he's dead? Pierced his side. And forthwith came there out blood and water. Blood and water came out, proving that looking to be, when he pierces the side of Jesus Christ, he goes into the heart, and then that blood and that water, when you see that blood and that water, makes that, tell, that tells him, hey, he's dead. And that water, that blood comes out. And, and John, who's writing this, says and he's, in verse 35, and he's, he that saw it, because John was right there, he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, and that, he, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. Also, and again, another scripture said, they shall look on him whom they pierced. It's a spear of inquiry. And as that soldier says, is he dead? He pierces that side and blood and water comes out. If you're in here this morning, as I'm closing, if you're in here this morning, maybe you're inquiring, is Jesus Christ, is he really dead? And maybe you're thrusting in that spear of inquiry. And as you thrust in that spear of inquiry, you see the blood and the water come out. I'm here to tell you, that blood you see, that's the blood of Jesus Christ that will cover all your sins. (laughs) That blood you see, that's the blood that's going to take away all the sins. John the Baptist says, it's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That's that blood. That blood will cover you and take away all your sins. That blood's going to come back and cover you. And that blood is going to cry out to God, forgive him, forgive him. That's that blood. And that water you see coming out with that blood, that's a water of refreshing. That's a water of cleansing. That's that water that will make you a new man. That's that living waters that's going to be in you, that's going to flow in and out of you, the Holy Spirit, the living waters. That's that waters that Jesus Christ says, if you'll drink of me, you'll never thirst again. So if you're in here this morning and you're inquiring, say, is that man really dead? No, he's really dead, but guess what? He's alive forevermore. He can cover you in the precious blood, his precious blood, and wash your sins and make them white as snow, and he can take you and wash you and cleanse you, and you can have that living waters and be so refreshed and so renewed, and you'll say, man, it's just wonderful to be saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What do you want me to do now, Lord? And the Lord's going to lift up his spirit of command and say, now go ye forth and tell the lost and dying world about me and preach the gospel. And that's what we're doing out here this morning. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven?
You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.